By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. The Isle of Wharton was never a place that he liked to visit out in the open. He preferred to remain in the shadows, remain in the sewers, remain where no one could see him. Instead, now under the orders of Xylene, he had to walk the streets. Todandic, one of the god-touched servants of Xylene, was sent with a mission. He had to relay a message to Rylagek. He had to relay a message to Sonye. He had to tell them that Skayer was now a servant of Xylene and soon to be a servant of Taujus. Todandic did not enjoy these missions, but he had to do what his god wanted him to do. Being a god-touched servant required more than simply killing mortals with the Naga that he controlled. There were times he had to be diplomatic, there were times he had to show diplomacy. There were times he had to show restraint, and this was one of them. He was not to harm anyone on the Isle of Horton unless he was provoked. However, he knew there was a gray area he could operate in. He knew that if he were provoked, he could levy the Isle of Horton with an army of Naga that he just so happened to have waiting just outside the tides. It brought Todandic a sense of calm knowing that he had an army waiting at his command. He was not a skilled negotiator, nor was he an able diplomat. Todandic had always been a servant of Xylene, someone that the god of the tides could rely on. He was Xylene's number two. He was Xylene's right hand. He was his most trusted lieutenant. With his boat docked in the harbor, something that Xylene typically would not do, he entered the streets of the Isle of Wharton. The ship, a dark brown, almost black, with white sails, rested in the harbor with the harbor master and the other sailors looking on intently. It was quite uncommon for a vessel like that to be docked in the Isle of Wharton. However, it was not something that never happened, though the crest of Xylene on the hull was something that was never seen at the dock. The citizens of the Isle of Wharton were concerned, especially when they saw four priests accompany a god-touched servant of Xylene walking through the streets toward the royal palace. Several of the crew of the ship remained on board, but four priests joined Todandic in the streets. Their robes were clad with the crest of Xylene emblazoned on their shoulder and chest, while their robes dragged the ground. All five of the followers of Xylene moved with a presence throughout the city. Even the citizens who were looking on tried to avert their eyes. They didn't want to lock eyes with the god-touched servant of Xylene, nor with the priest. They were worried for their safety, but they were also curious as to why they were there. The sun hung overhead as the wind blew off the harbor. The royal palace was ahead as Todandic kept his eyes glued on the gates. He saw several guards, but knew they would move once they approached. They didn't want to test his might, nor the might of the priests that followed him. For several meters, Todandic and his four priests moved through the streets, unabated. The citizens of the Isle of Wharton kept watch, but no one took action. As they reached the gate, the guards moved and allowed Todandic and his priests to enter without any concern. While they were not expected, they knew not to challenge them. The might of Todandic, as well as his rage, was well known on the Isle of Wharton. They knew to challenge him meant certain death. While Rylagek and Sonier could say things that would potentially anger him, they were particularly immune from his wrath, or at least so they thought. The citizens of the Isle of Wharton, however, did not have that luxury. If they were to speak up against Todandic as he moved through the streets, or perhaps shower him with jeers, they could find themselves trapped in a bubble or at the bottom of the ocean. While they knew at one point they would end up at Vesius Scales, they did not want to reach them while after being impaled by the skewer of a naga. The gates to the palace opened and Todandic led the way in. Upon entering the palace, he immediately noticed Sonye standing there waiting on him. I thought I smelled something foul coming in off the harbor, she announced rudely as she laid her eyes upon the god-touched servant of Xylane. Why are you here to defile this chamber? What brings your filth to stand before us? You know you have no business here. The words of Sonye cut deep as Todandic continued to move forward. Almost with a strut, 
he walked with a sense of purpose, and a sense of confidence that's something he never did while on the Isle of Wharton. They had seen him before, but never in the royal palace. He had never graced the confines here, at least knowingly. While as a puddle, he managed to hide in the corners and would watch what was happening. Now, he was able to move freely. I must admit, I do love what you've done with this place. Every time I'm here, it looks different. He stated with an ominous confession. Sonia rolled her eyes. And I take it you've been here before? Todandic smiled and nodded. I've been here a lot, Royal Vizier. And I must say, the advice that you dole out to Rylagek is top-notch. You would be an asset to the God of the Tides. Perhaps you should consider joining us. Sonia turned and scoffed, walking away from it into the chambers of Rylagek. Royal Vizier, if you knew what I knew, you wouldn't be walking away from me right now, shouted Todandic, and immediately prompting Sonia to turn around. And what do I not know? She inquired, the harsh tone of her voice cutting through the air. Todandic continued to strut forward, now with Sonia's full attention. What you don't know is that your son was actually able to deliver on the mission that you sent him for. Sonia tilted her head in confusion. It had been weeks since she had heard the name of her son Scare. She was curious as to how he was doing, having not heard anything from the mainland. And what did Scare do? She inquired softly. Right, what did he do? Boomed a voice from the throne room. Rylegate walked out with his arms folded across his chest, looking out at Todandic with a sense of disdain and anger. The ruler of the Isle of Wharton did not like seeing a follower of Xylene in his presence, much less five. However, the four priests remained silent and looked on, almost like bodyguards. Todanic did the talking, and to be fair, he was stronger than anyone in the room. The four priests were simply acting as a presence of Xylene. Todanic had everything under control, and was completely safe. Todanic smiled and folded his arms across his chest to match Rylagek. Sonia, your son made it to Teardred, and he was able to parlay directly with Dorilius, something that I didn't think was possible, Todandic announced smugly. He was able to parlay with the god of intellect and actually get some useful information. And if I could continue, this wasn't the first god that he was able to speak with. Scare has actually been able to speak to three different gods. Sonia's eyes widened in surprise. Scare has been able to speak with three different gods? She asked curiously. He speaks with a forked tongue, announced Rylagek. Don't believe everything you hear from this knave. Todandic laughed maniacally. Oh, Rylagek, you'll see that I speak nothing but the truth in time. We just so happen to be allies now. Well, perhaps we're no longer enemies. Allies will come at some point, especially when we build our temple on this island. Rylagek was taken aback and aghast. You most certainly will not construct a temple of blasphemy here. You will not construct a temple to any god. Todandic continued to giggle as he looked at the king of the Isle of Morton. It's funny when you're naive, Rylagek. Nevertheless, what I am prophesizing is true. Sonia huffed loudly. God touched, will you please tell me what has happened to my son? Will you please tell me what has happened to Scare? Todandit looked over at Sonia and away from Rylagek. Of course, of course, I apologize. I was simply having a little bit of fun prodding the old king here. It's not often I get a chance to be a diplomat. I'm not very good at it, but I do enjoy ribbing him from time to time. Todandit took a deep breath and sighed. After Scare left Teardret, he made his trek through Quor on his way down to Zertal, where he was able to parlay with Talgis. All of this was in the hopes that Talgis would be able to broker a peace. Which, to be fair, he did. With the assistance of Talgis, Xylene will no longer be attacking this island regularly. There are some conditions that have to be met. There are some things that need to be satisfied. But for the most part, Xylene will no longer be attacking you with his Naga. Xylene will no longer be attacking your fleets. The Naga will now be at peace. We will not protect you, we will not serve you, we just simply won't bother you. At least, until we have to. Rylegek appeared confused while Sonier appeared concerned. 
What did my son have to do to broker this deal? She announced, cutting through the tension and not allowing Rylegek to speak. Though the king wanted more answers, Sonia interrupted him and took charge. What did my son have to do to broker this peace, God touched? What did he have to do to satisfy the God of the Tides? And what did he have to do to get the God of the Atmosphere to step in? Todanik took a big gulp and turned toward Sonia again. Listen, what he did was what he had to do. You have to respect his guile and his cunning. You also have to respect what he was willing to do to save the Isle of Wharton and its people. He was willing to make a sacrifice that would save everyone. He understood that he was the best piece on the battlefield. He realized that he was superior to Evelus and Elise Mertrand. He was the best weapon that the Isle of Wharton had, and he laid it down for your peace. Rylegate grumbled at hearing Todandic's insult. However, Sonia would not allow him to speak. She held her hand up in defiance, alerting him to keep his mouth shut and allow her to lead the conversation. What sacrifice did he make, Todandic? What did he have to do? Continued Sonia, prodding him for more information. Todandic smiled and shrugged his shoulders. I'm pretty sure you know that answer without me having to tell you. I'm pretty sure you know what sacrifice he made, Sonia. Sonia closed her eyes and hung her head. He became a servant of Xylene. Todandic nodded slowly before pausing. Well, only sort of, answered Todandic. Xylene converted him into a god-touched servant. However, now, after the completion of the conversion, he has changed his allegiance to Taljus. He serves the god of the atmosphere, while at times he'll serve the god of the tides. It's a way we can work around Vesia's orders and Vesia's rules. I'm sure you understand having to work around the ways of the world, right, Sonier? Or perhaps you understand, Rylegek, he said as he turned toward the king. Scare made a sacrifice to broker the peace. He now works with us. He serves Xylene and he serves Taljus. In exchange, you all are at peace for now. However, as I said before, there are some conditions that must be met. The first of which is that you will not swear fealty to any other god in response to this. If you do, I will send an entire army of Naga onto this island and we will kill every man, woman, and child. We will skewer their bodies and put them on the edge of the island for all to see. No ship will come, ever. They will know that this graveyard is cursed. If anyone swears fealty to another god in the royal family, then our deal is off. The Isle of Wharton will be destroyed. Sonia sighed loudly as Rylegek stepped forward. So you're saying that we have peace now, so long as we don't swear fealty to another god? I think we can honor that arrangement, God touched. I don't think you have anything to worry about, said Rylegek calmly. Most good, King Rylegek, said Todanik as he looked back at the priests. Now we will be leaving now, and I hope you never have to see us again, because if you do, it will be because our deal is void, and we will be here to end the Isle of Wharton. And if I'm being honest with you, King Rylegek, I really hope you void our arrangement. I hope you break your promise. I hope we get a chance to destroy you all, Todandic said with an evil grin. The four priests walked away as Todandic descended down into a puddle, immediately going over to the corner and leaving through a small crack. We should really work at sealing this place, announced Rylegek as he watched Todandic leave through a small crevice in the wall. Sonia pursed her lips and blew a stream of air through them. We need to be wary of what your children are doing in Brile right now. We need to be hopeful they don't cut a similar arrangement with Malarus. Rylegek smiled and shrugged. I'm sure Elise and Eblis are not foolish enough to get in bed with the god of chaos. Elise walked out to the veranda, having just finished their dinner, to find Malarus waiting on her holding a glass of wine. He reached forward and offered it to her, placing it on a small table. I was hoping you'd join me out here tonight, he said with a wry grin. After the meal that we just had, Malarus, I would be a fool not to join you. Elise walked over and stood beside him. 
The two moons of Dunai hung overhead, creating a remarkable ambience as the two looked out at the water. No ships were coming in and out of the port, but the waves were crashing into the surface, and the sound of birds flying overhead created a warm aura. I wonder where my brother ended up, remarked Elise as she leaned forward. She took a sip of the wine and placed it back down on the table. He typically finds a pub or a tavern, wherever there's mead or ale flowing. I do wonder where he ended up. Mallory scanned the city and pointed toward a tavern in the distance. If I had to guess, probably that one over there near the port. Most sailors and merchants end up there after hours. If I had to guess, he's there. However, there are several other taverns throughout the town. But from what I gathered from meeting your brother earlier, he prefers a more bustling experience. He prefers to be the center of attention. He prefers to be around people who enjoy merrymaking and jubilation. Is that right? Elise nodded emphatically. Evelis is not one to sink into the shadows. He likes to be front and center and he likes for the world to see him. He likes to make a big splash and have an even bigger presence. His personality is large and I love him for it. Where I can be a bit more calculating and sincere, he can be a bit more brash and outspoken. It's why our father wants what he wants. It's why our father wants Evelis to become the king of the Isle of Wharton and for me to be the royal vizier. It's why he wants me to be the trusted advisor, the level head to guide him, while Evelis can be the outspoken ruler, the one who keeps the Isle of Wharton on the front foot and away from danger. He wants me to keep Evelis with a level head so that he doesn't do anything brash and get us in trouble, but he wants Evelis to be the face of the island. Malaris nodded and remained silent for a moment, allowing the birds overhead to swirl. Finally, after a few moments of silence, he spoke up. Is that what you want? Do you want to be the royal vizier? Do you want to be the trusted advisor of the Isle of Wharton, or do you want something more? Elise closed her eyes and composed herself. She knew the answer, but it was something she did not like to speak about. I don't know, she remarked passively. Mallory shook his head. I think you do know, and I think you just don't want to say it out loud. I think you're afraid to put it out there. I don't think you want to upset your father. Am I right? He asked rhetorically, already knowing the answer. Elise looked out into the horizon as the two moons reflected off the water. Malaris, I love my brother. I love Evelis with all of my heart, but I don't know if I want to serve beside him. I don't know if I can follow my father's wishes. I think in the end, I want something different. And if I'm being honest, I think Evelis might want something different too. Malaris turned to Elise and smiled. What do you mean? What does Evelis want? I can't speak for my brother, Malaris. I can only muse and suspect. But the way he talks about going on adventures, the way he talks about exploring Dunai, I don't think he wants to be chained to the throne. I think he wants to explore. I think he wants to experience taverns and pubs throughout Denai. I think he wants to have merrymaking and jubilation throughout. I think what he's doing tonight is what he absolutely wants to do. I don't know how we would have the coin to do it, but I know this is what he wants. I know this is the life that he would prefer to live. I think my brother would be a better diplomat than he would be as a king. Hell, I think I would be a better queen than he would be a king, but that's not tradition. Malaris laughed loudly and shook his head. The traditions of humans are something I never understood. We did not create them for that. We created them for sustenance, he said harshly. However, even though I rely on the sustenance that comes from your essence, I've grown rather fond of you all. Your unpredictability, your compassion, it's things that I appreciate. It's things that we had in Tangresia. I never thought I would have that connection again with anyone, anything. You see, where you love your brother, I cannot say the same for mine. While I appreciate Darilius and Darian for who they are, we all have our different motives and motivations. Darian views humanity as nothing but a source for food. Darilius keeps his thoughts to himself and enjoys just watching them, almost like ants. Me, I prefer to be around them. I prefer to be one of them. 
Just like your brother, I love the jubilation and the merrymaking. I love being around them. I love experiencing what they're doing. I love being a part of this lifestyle. That's why I can't stay in Lochris like the other gods. I can't stay in my own realm. I prefer to be out here on Denai, where I can be with my people, where I can be with my followers, where I can be one with them, and I can experience the joys and the tribulations with them. I can be that shoulder for them to cry on, but I can also be the hands that clap for them when they succeed. I want that. My brothers want to keep their distance as well as the other gods. I want to be a part of this experience. Mallers took a moment and paused, looking over at Elise as she was listening intently to his rant. He could tell that she was paying attention and hanging on every word, something that he appreciated. I cannot deny that when we created Dunai, we essentially created a farm that would provide us sustenance. However, that's changed for me. Darian wants to keep his followers at arm's length. I do not. And while yes, all these people here are sustenance in the ends, I want to experience life with them while they're here. Elise folded her arms across her chest and locked her eyes on Malaris. Why is it that you have compassion that the other gods do not have? Why is it that you appreciate humanity while the rest do not? Malaris shrugged and shook his head. I can tell you Dahar has some compassion for humanity, but she also creates it from nothing. She's the goddess of life and takes that role very seriously. Valorous has love for his creations, though most of them come from the ground. The rest of the gods I cannot speak for. I know Valkus does not have any disdain for his followers, he simply just doesn't care. The rest of the gods, though, simply keep to themselves. What about Vesia? inquired Elise. What does Vesia think about humanity? Does she care about their followers? Malaris scoffed and shook his head. Vesia doesn't have many followers. She doesn't have any god-touched servants. She has very few priests. Vesia simply exists in her realm and judges all of us. It's somewhat of a pain, really. She stays up on her ivory tower, looking down the brim of her nose at all of us as we ponder about. While we all experience the tribulations of Dunai, Vesia simply exists to judge. When we created Dunai, we had to have someone take the law into account. On Tangresia, Vesia was one of the royal guards. Her job was to judge and to maintain order. We thought she would be perfect for it, but she has taken her position far too seriously. She has subjugated all of the gods so that we cannot act in which ways we should. Elise smirked and nodded slowly. I'm sure there's a reason for it though, Malaris. There has to be order. There has to be peace. Malaris closed his eyes and turned away. There has to be both of those. I agree. But Vessi goes about it in a way that is not fair. She does it in a way to keep all of the gods under her thumb. At some point, there's going to be a rebellion. We will stand up against her and it will not end well for Dunai or for all of humanity. Elise kept her arms folded across her chest as Malaris kept his back to her. Have you all had the conversation with her about this? Inquired Elise, trying to find a solution for Malaris. We've tried, but she doesn't listen. All Vesia does is react. When something happens, she takes action. And she will only take action when something happens. She's not proactive. She doesn't see a problem happening before it arises. Instead, once it arises, she takes action. Malaris spoke in circles as he turned back toward Elise. The goddess of law is a very frustrating individual and she is not someone I like to talk about in pleasant conversation. I'm sure she's watching right now, laughing, as you and I discuss her ways. Elise unfolded her arms and took a sip of the wine. Or she's wondering where we got this great wine, she asked pleasantly, trying to change the conversation. Malaris laughed and took another sip from his. And this is something that makes me different from the other gods as well. I enjoy the creations of humans. I enjoy this wine. I enjoy their food. I enjoy everything that they create. The other gods cannot say that. Malaris paused and locked eyes with Elise. I enjoy standing on a veranda and enjoying the company of a woman. At least this one. She can have a great conversation and keeps me on my toes. Elise set the glass of wine down and walked over to Malaris. She looked into his eyes and smiled. 
and I can say I'm at least enjoying the company of a god, something I never thought I would ever do. Perhaps I'll enjoy the company of this god for the rest of the evening. She asked suggestively before turning around and leaving the veranda, heading back into the palace of Malaris, where the god of chaos would follow. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.